Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. talk to you about today in one word is disappointment hard topic but we're going to look at one verse we're going to look at the verse from 1 Thessalonians 5 16 to 18 and this is the verse that we're going to keep coming back to through the story that we're reading this morning and it just says three things rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all situation in all circumstances for this is God's will for you through Christ Jesus. So, disappointment. Something that we all struggle with. You know what it is, don't you? It's the times when we don't get the job that we thought was ours. Disappointment. We look in the mirror, in my case, and there's an old woman looking back at you. Disappointment. Or worse still, we go to Slimming World and stand on the scales. <laughs> Big disappointment. (laughs) The finances that we thought we'd got saved up for this month just aren't there when we get to the end of the month. Or maybe your football team got relegated last season. (laughs) Disappointment. Can you think of a time when you were disappointed? I'm sure we all can. Before we know it, being disappointed becomes disappointment. And it can start with a little sentence, a statement, a put down, because things haven't happened the way we thought they'd happened. And we end up carrying around with us that burden of disappointment. Sometimes people carry this for months or years. I was disappointed, therefore, I'm not going to try again. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to move on. I'm going to stay where I am. We were disappointed. And it stops us from moving on. We sang about that mountain this morning. We've prayed about a mountain. You know, if God can move a mountain, then let the mountains move. Disappointment might be your mountain, and it's stopping you from moving on and doing the next thing that God has for you. Do you want the definition of disappointment from the dictionary? This is it. Being sad or displeased because someone or something has failed to satisfy our hopes and expectations. Is that how you feel? that something has failed to satisfy our hopes and expectations. Things and people will disappoint us, but God never does. Sometimes it's hard to get over disappointment, but it's how we deal with it that matters. We often bring disappointment on ourselves, don't we, by setting the standard too high, by thinking that ours is the only way to do something. You know, I've been guilty of that because I think I'm right all the time. You ask my kids. But then this verse in Thessalonians, which we're going to keep going back to, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, comes into its own. But we're going to look at disappointment through the life of one of my favorite people in the Bible, and that's David. Now, if I ask you this morning, if you could describe David in one word, what would that word be? You'll have lots of different answers, but shout one out to me. One word, Dave Nathan, you didn't listen to the question. <laughs> One word to describe David, what was he? 
a worshipper. Great. Passionate. What about what he did? Warrior. That's what I, one word I've got. I've got the words down like shepherd, son, musician, poet, writer, leader, friend. He was many things, David was. And he was one of, he's one of my favorite um, people in, in the Bible. Yeah, thank you, Don. I can never work this nation. Thank you. <laughs> in all his various roles, David must have suffered disappointment. And we're going to read one of those encounters. Now, it's quite a long reading today, so bear with me. If you want to follow it with me, it's in 1 Chronicles chapter 17. That's the first book of Chronicles, chapter 17. And throughout this morning, we'll, we'll probably read the whole chapter, but not in one go. So, 1 Chronicles, chapter 17. And it starts, the, the, the chapter is entitled, God's Promise to David. After David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. Nathan replied to David, Whatever you have in mind, do it, for God is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought Israel out of Egypt to this day. I have moved from one tent site to another, from one dwelling place to another. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their leaders, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a tent of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed." Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also subdue all your enemies. I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your, offering, off, your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him, as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of the entire revelation. Sorry it was a long reading, but sometimes it's good to read a long one, isn't it? So David, here he is. King over Israel, living in a beautiful palace after years of hiding from Saul in caves and in the stronghold, in the desert, fighting the Philistines, the other tribes, suffering the loss of his dearest friend Jonathan, and now is in a period of relative peace. And he's at peace in his palace, and he gets this idea. He gets this idea. Now, if you read the preceding chapters, you'll get a picture of how this story starts. They had brought the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem in the previous chapter, 
and pitched it under a tent. Previously, it had been away from Jerusalem. And they brought it up with great celebrations. You know, there was dancing and singing and gifts given. David gave gifts to everybody. It was like a big street party because they were celebrating bringing the ark. Then David goes home to bless his family. That tells us at the end of verse 16. Praise, worship, you can imagine the crescendo. And there he is back in his palace. And this idea comes. Here I am in a palace and the Ark of the Covenant's in a tent. You know, I'll do something about that. So he runs it by somebody because we do, don't we? We get an idea and we think, ooh, that's a good idea. Is it me or what does everybody else think? So you run it by somebody else. So he says to Nathan, the prophet, this is my idea. And Nathan says, go ahead, do it. Now, if that was us with a brilliant idea, we'd run it by somebody else, you know, like we do. And uh, too many pieces of paper, cow. I don't need that one. <laughs> and speaking for myself, if it's a good idea, or I think it's a good idea, I'd tell somebody. Well, maybe I'd tell everybody. Um, and David must have felt like this. He was excited about this idea. He'd run it by Nathan. Nathan said it was all right. So before you know it, if it had been me, I'd have had a team of architects in that day just to start drawing a few plans up. I'd have got in touch with the planning department, seeing what forms I got to fill in. I might have even got some builders involved at this stage, and I might have involved the, per the people, you know, a bit of a referendum to decide whether we're going to have the site of the temple. Even in one day, the plan would start to form. How about you? Do you ever do that? Do you ever get an idea and your mind runs away with you because it's such a good idea? And this is how David must have felt. Wow, this is, oh, this is going to be so good. This is going to be so good, so pleasing, and, and it's going to be okay because Nathan said it was okay. That night, God speaks to Nathan and said, go and tell David, you're not the one. You're not going to build my temple. Nathan has to go back the next morning, and he told David every word that God had said to him. Do you know, I would have been a bit afraid of that, knowing that, you know, you're not the one to build me a temple. He said, I've never asked you to build me a temple. I asked you to shepherd my people. You know, after all David had been through, all the battles, all the hardship, he'd stayed close to God, and yet his idea was denied. Right at this moment, David could have dropped into disappointment. Could have, well, if I'm not going to be able to do that, after all I've done, after all I've done, God, if after all, I've looked after these people, and you're not going to let me do that, he could have dropped into disappointment. Now, we do exactly the same. You know, I've been at work and I've been into meetings where um, we've had plans to do things at work and I've gone in with a really good idea in my head and I'm thinking, this is really going to work well for the company. This is, um, uh, and you, you present your idea and everybody goes, oh, that's a load of rubbish. <laughs> and at that moment, you stop listening you don't join in with anybody else's conversation. You don't vote for anybody else's idea. You just stop contributing. Elaine knows what I mean. Because the idea wasn't, it must be wrong. It wasn't your idea, so therefore it must be wrong. And then disappointment. You come out of a meeting, you're disappointed. And it can quickly grow. It starts as that small uh, seed, that word, but it soon takes over our heads. And, and we tell everybody else, well, all those who agree with us, and then we stop doing anything at all. And then disappointment's won. 
So let's make one thing clear. Disappointment is not from God. A good father does not disappoint his children. The end of the verse in Isaiah 49:23 says this, then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. I don't know if that's the right. Yes, the last two lines in that. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. You know, if you take the dis off the word, you've got appointment. And you know you can always have an appointment with God. You've got a continual appointment. You don't need to ring him up make a date and a time. He's there to listen to you every moment of every day. You have an appointment with him as a child of God. He's your father. He wants to listen to you. He wants to hear all the things that are bothering you. He wants to, you to avoid this disappointment. But we don't. We formulate our own plans and plots to get our own way or get our own back. Because, you know, we're still right. But God does not disappoint. What he spoke to David and what he says to us is not to disappoint us, but to draw us closer to him into the things he has planned for us, which are far better, which are far better. See, David didn't know what was going to happen in the the future. When this happened, David still hadn't um, been through all the stuff with Bathsheba, with Absalom, with all that other stuff was yet to come. David didn't know any of that because he was right at this point in time. But David knew this. He did not allow himself to be disappointed. So I want us to think about how David um, reacted to this, how he avoided disappointment, how he responded to Nathan's word that he was not going to build the temple. You know, David's response is an excellent illustration of how a believer should handle disappointment. Instead of being angry and upset at the Lord, which very often is our response, David's reaction was one of humility and thanksgiving. We go back to that verse in Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. You'll know that verse before you go home today. So now we're going to read what David actually did. So we go back to Chronicles 17, 1 Chronicles 17, and this is what David did. Then King David, I'm starting to read at verse 16. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You, Lord God, have looked on me as though I was the most exalted of men. What more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant, Lord. For the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made known all these great promises. There is no one like you, Lord. There is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth who God went out to redeem a people for himself and to make a name for yourself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations from before your people? And I'm not going to read to the end of that, but I would like you to read it when you get home. Because there's so much in that. There's so much in David's prayer. What a wonderful prayer. We get so much strength, you know, through reading prayers in the Bible. Because they are recorded for our benefit. They're there for our benefit. Very often we don't know what to pray, do we? 
but they are recorded for our benefit. And if you were at the Bible study a week last Wednesday, and Stephen Jenkins took the Bible study, you might have remembered how many prayers there are in the Bible. Anybody remembered? Oh, disappointment. Have a guess. No, not 65. Look, you see, he's the nearest. Neil, 222 there are. Neil said 221. 222 prayers in the Bible. That's a number for you to remember, isn't it? So if you're ever, you know, these people who prayed in the Bible, they are facing the same circumstances that we are because that doesn't change. The human heart doesn't change. You know, we might have iPads and all the technology these days that they didn't have, but the human heart doesn't change. The emotions that they felt are the same that we feel today. So there will be a prayer that you can pray into. So let's just look at a few things out of this prayer of David and the steps that we need to take to be free from that disappointment that, that we or the world can bring on ourselves. This worked for David, and God's word has never changed. If it will work, so it will work for us too. So if you're carrying any disappointment, if you've been disappointed in your life, that you've even brought here this morning with you, and it's heavy, and it's holding you back from the next thing that God wants to do, let's look what David did to avoid it, okay? First thing he did. Take up the same position as David. Now, what did he do? King David went in and sat before the Lord. He went in and sat before the Lord. Take up that position of prayer. Now, when Stephen was talking the other week um, at the Bible study about this, he said he can't pray at home because he's got two kids and his wife and a dog, and he finds it impossible to pray at home. But he's got a place where he can pray at work. And he can go in and shut the door and be with God. And he prays in the car. Now, I don't know where any of you pray. We, we all have different habits, don't we? We all have different things that we do. But it's important that we give God that time, that we go in and shut the door and be with God. And, you know, it's good to take a day off sometimes and just spend the day with God. Just to shut the door, do nothing else, have no other jobs, no other agenda for that day, but just to wait on God. Read his word. Start talking to him. It's amazing. The first hour's hard, but then it gets easier. And by the end of the day, you think, wow, you know, everything. I took a few days off recently. I went up to Filey for a few days on my own, and I was able to do I didn't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> I didn't even take the dog. But it was... Lovely, because you want to get alone with God and hear what God's got to say to you. So, escape. Remain in his presence. Don't be jumping up after the first 10 minutes and thinking that's it. Remain in his presence. Keep listening for that voice. You will gain revelation of who God is and what he has for you. David's usual practice was to do this. If you read later on in Chronicles, he did exactly the same thing when um, the baby that was born to him and uh, Bathsheba died. And when Nathan came in and said, I've got a word for you from God, and he told him the parable about the lamb. You can carry on reading it in Chronicles when you get home. And at the end of it, he said, the baby's going to die. What did Nathan do? Uh, David do? He put on sackcloth and ashes, and he lay on the ground for seven days, praying, pleading with God to save that child's life. And the baby died. And they hardly, they hardly dared tell David, once the baby had died, David got up, 
And the Bible tells us what he did. And I'll, I'll, I'll read you exactly what he did. This is from 2 Samuel 12. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. How hard would that be? But he wasn't disappointed with God. Even though he pleaded with God, he wasn't disappointed. He worshipped. Sometimes it's all us, isn't it? It's all us. Oh, I'm so hurt. I'm so disappointed. Never get over this. But turn it around. Don't carry it with you. And then David says this. He said, who am I? Who am I? It's um, Psalm 8, I think it is, where he said, um, uh, I can't remember the exact wording for Psalm 8, but I haven't written it down on my list for these guys to give out. So let's bear with me a minute. And unfortunately, I've brought my Bible with too many pages in it today, so it takes ages to find. Here we are, it says. And what is man that you are mindful of him? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hand and put everything under their feet. What is man that you are mindful of him? And David says, who am I? Do you know, I've often thought that. Who am I? I'm a nobody. God brought David from looking after a few sheep on the hillside. When we went to Scarborough two weeks ago, um, that weekend was my birthday. It was Zoe's birthday as well. She was 40. But the day before that was my 50th birthday in Christ. Right? 50 years ago that weekend, I went forward to Billy Graham Rally in London and accepted Jesus as my saviour. 50 years. Can't believe it. If you'd have said to me when I was 15, this is what's going to happen to you, you know, wouldn't have believed it. But for 50 years, and I still think, who am I? I don't come from a Christian family. My mum and dad weren't Christians. My auntie used to take me to Sunday school. But who am I that God should bless me as he, have, as he has done? And we've got to come back to that place of humility, get past this disappointment, come back to that place of humility and say to God, who am I that you have chosen me? Don't you think it's wonderful that he chose you? I do. I think it's amazing. So now you know how old I am as well. Very. Who am I? Come back into a place of humility. And then David says to God, you have given me a future. You have given me a future. Where would we be without him? Every step of our life. David wrote many, many of the Psalms. And so many of them just um, express what he was going through at that time. Where, when you can read the history, read the storm that goes with it. And in Psalm 139, he says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know that? That's for us as well. Every day, God's ordained before I even get there. He knows the days are numbered. My days are numbered. Just so fantastic, isn't it? We can be so excited about what he has to do when we realize that God has got a plan and a purpose for every one of us, just as he had for David. David says, you've honored me. You've exalted me, Lord, and you've honored me. He became, he started as a shepherd, 
He did a lot of all those other words that we said, the poet, the musician, everything. And he became a king. I can remember my brother having a game on the computer when we were young and you, um, you had to start off. You started off with nothing. And you're, it was something like Giza Job, the program was called. And you ended up with the top job, which was prime minister, which I think I would really hate. But it was like from there to there. And that's how David's life went. It went from being a shepherd to being the king, the king of that whole country with all the power and responsibility that that held it. And he said, you've exalted me and honored me. Look how God has lifted us. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us this, but you, that's us, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I like being God's special possession. I don't know about you. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's exalted us and lifted us and honored us. You know, David says many other things. He speaks about being, I am your servant. He speaks about, um, you are my God. And he promises good things. He promises David all these good things. You know, when I get to a promise in my Bible, I put a P in the margin because it's for me as well. And some pages have got a lot of P's down because they're my promises. He promises to bless his house forever. He promises to bless our life and our house forever. But it's like we were saying last week. It's like Pastor Danny was talking about last week. You've got to take them for yourself. Unless you take it and say, this is my promise, and, and accept it from God, it's not going to work. Embrace the promises. Expect them to happen. Expect them to happen. Invite his promises into your situation. If you're dealing with disappointment or whatever, invite those promises into your situation to turn it around. God is faithful. His hope and expectation for us will not disappoint us. David prayed in thankfulness, excitement, courage, praise, but not in disappointment. He didn't go in there and say to God, well, you've let me down proper this time. After all that, I've told all these people, and now I've got to go back and tell them all it's, it's not going to be me. None of that. He prayed, like that verse from Thessalonians that we keep going back to. Have you learned it yet? Rejoice always. Pray. In everything, give thanks. In all circumstances, give thanks. He prayed that. Bless his house forever. Remember that we never have the full picture. Only God does. Be thankful in all situations. We might think that the situation we're in is the worst anything could ever be. It's easy when things are going good, isn't it? So, David was not the one to build the temple. His son Solomon was given that right to build the temple. But did it mean that David went away and thought, well, that's it then. Wipe my hands up. I needn't think about that anymore. No, he didn't. Read on in Chronicles. I'm only in Chronicles, by the way, because I read through the Bible in a year, three chapters a day, and I just happen to be in Chronicles. <laughs> so God gives you a word from wherever you are, doesn't he? So read further on in Chronicles. And you'll read that David had stone cut for the temple. He brought cedar wood in from Lebanon. He um, 
brought articles, provided articles, silver and gold for the temple. He started the preparation. He organized the labor force. So he didn't sit back and do nothing because he wasn't going to be the one who built it. He laid the preparation ready for Solomon to come along and actually build that temple. He laid the preparation. He get everything ready. Junction 28. We are preparing for the next generation. We are, getting the, we are getting things in place. We are getting things ready for that next generation to come along. Never say, there's nothing I can do. There's so much in building the kingdom of God, and God has a part in it for all of us. So don't let carrying disappointment stop you from carrying God's will. You know, David was such a character. He didn't always get it right. He didn't always tell the truth. He let people down. He broke the commandments. Yet, this is what the Bible says about David in Acts 13, 22. This is Paul when he's, he's preaching in um, Antioch, I believe. And he says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified about him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. A man after my own heart. Because David didn't have any hang-ups. He just wanted to walk with God. He wanted that relationship to be right with God. He didn't want disappointment in any of the things of his life to hinder the next thing that God was going to do for him. So this is the antidote for disappointment. Turn to this chapter when you get home and reread what David said to the Lord. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's what Thessalonians tells us. This is God's will for you that you might follow this pattern of what David did because he overcame this. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Amen. Amen.